Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and today it's time to get you ready for week six in college football. I've got three guests on today's show to help me do exactly that. We're going to start things off with our scouting report where I catch up with the, the director of football operations and player personnel at the Shrine Bowl, Eric Galco, to talk about the potential quarterback one in the upcoming NFL draft. That's Malik Willis from Liberty. We'll talk with Eric all about Malik Willis and how he views him projecting here to the NFL. After that, we'll dig into this weekend's action with Saturday scouting. Ben Fennell's going to join the show. We're going to talk about matchups to watch. Who's got the most to gain here this weekend in college football. And also go through another interesting mock draft from over at the draft network. Then we'll wrap things up with Ross Tucker in pick six, picking six games essentially seven games here in the upcoming weekend of college football. That is always fun to catch up with Ross. Make sure you go on to Apple podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a review. If you've got a question, we will always answer it in our draft mailbag segment. So appreciate everybody that has taken the time to do that uh, so far through the college football season. We're almost reaching the halfway point of the regular season, but that said, Let's get this show started. Excited to talk about Malik Willis here with Eric Galco in Scouting Report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report. All right. Well, excited to welcome back to the show for Scouting Report, uh, the Director of Football Operations and Player Personnel at the Shrine Bowl, Eric Galco. Eric, thanks so much for joining us once again, man. Thanks, Fran. Appreciate it. So let's talk through quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty, uh, a guy that burst onto the scene last year in 2020, uh, has continued a high level of play here in 2021. I guess we'll start there. When did he first pop on your radar? I know I know. for me it was, uh, I forget exactly which game it was last year, but he made a ridiculous throw uh, from like the 45, 50-yard line on a rope down the pipe uh, right between the hashes for a touchdown. I was like, oh, like that kind of caught my attention. But I'm sure that you probably knew about him earlier than that in the process. When, when did he kind of first pop on the radar for you? I mean, first on the radar, he's he's been in our database since he you know was a top recruit um, and and was the backup quarterback at Auburn. But I, I know the day when I kind of realized that Malik Willis will be you know probably a first round pick one day, and it was September 26th, 2020. Um, he played against Florida International. I'm watching the game on the third TV or the third, whatever it was as well, you know, actually visiting my girlfriend's parents house. Right. And I remember watching them like this kid has the arm talent, the mobility, the tools to be successful. And if you watch that game, and I went back and watched the week before Western Kentucky um, to watch those two games back to back, he didn't play the following week. I don't think I think it was against a small school, Um, but he, he showed that, Hey, he has, not only the physical tools, but I saw the mental processing. You could see even the TV copy that, hey, I know what he's thinking on this play. And he thought wrong on a few plays. He made some mistakes and wasn't necessarily accurate in those games yet. But the most important thing for quarterbacks are, do you see them making mistakes that are fixable? Are they fixing those mistakes? If you see that and the guy has arm talent and mobility, that means that plays me a first-round pick. And I remember calling NFL scouts, people in the industry that I'm friends with. And I said, there's two quarterbacks that if you don't know right now, you got to get to know right now. One is Zach Wilson of BYU and one is Malik Willis of Liberty. And that was last year. And since then he's only ascended, saw him this off season, continued to ascend. And I think we're 60% of the way there on Malik Willis. He's got so much room to get better and he's already going to be a first round pick in this year's draft. And that's what I was going to ask you is just, I guess, how yeah. do you view him uh, you know, and the, the, the grand picture of things, when you look at, at the rest of this quarterback class, obviously he's a senior. 
How do you view him big yeah. picture when compared to all of his peers around the country? No, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft class. And uh, I think he'll, he'll end up being there and, and, you know, it's always tough to figure out exactly where he'll shake out. Also being from Liberty, I think kind of Zach Wilson kind of I mean, from BYU and being you know, maybe the first overall pick if, if Trevor Lawrence was in the last year's draft, I think group of five schools like Liberty can still have top five or top, you know, one overall picks, but I think Malik's that talented and, you know, it's tough to find a comparison necessarily for him. This is a crazy comparison, but he's got shades of Lamar. He's got shades of Mahomes. I'm not saying he's the one of those guys, but if he's 80% of them combined, he's going to be a heck of an NFL quarterback. But that's kind of the players he reminds of. And I think when you have that kind of rare skill set, rare talent, and if I can mention mentally, his background, his family, his mental process, and the people around him, like he can get, he's already there as a professional when he comes to managing himself, getting better. He's grown so much this offseason, physically, mentally. Like he's got all the tools off the field, too, that you could say, yes, this guy, give him the keys to my franchise and we're going to be okay incredibly competitive uh, leader by example, but also leader vocally as well too. All those kind of things are going to say, Hey, if he's not already there for some teams and for some teams, I'll tell you, he already is there as a possible top five overall pick. He'll get there during the draft process. And, and I guess that's the big thing is when you're looking at quarterbacks, uh, obviously we see that you see the arm talent, right? You see the athleticism, yeah. the physical <laughs> tools are absolutely there with Malik Willis. Now it's getting into the off field and, and how important that is to the overall evaluation. Yeah. And I, I know you've been around him. Um, you, you can kind of speak to the the kind of kid that he is and the work ethic that he's going to bring to his future NFL team. Yeah. You know, it's something that I've, I've had the privilege of talking either with, with quarterbacks or with coaching staffs, private coach, et cetera, around them for a long time. And, you know, getting a chance to talk to people around Pat Mahomes before his 2016 college season, I was like, oh, this this guy's going to be a star. That's why I, I thankfully, in, in hindsight, was very early at Pat Mahomes being successful, not to toot my own horn, but because I talked to people around him and I said, I know the physical tools. Mental, if this kid's got it, he's going to be successful. Same thing for Kyler Murray. And I think that's the kind of feeling I get with Pat Mahomes, or I'm sorry, with, with Malik Willis. A little Freudian slip there, Malik Willis, because I think <laughs> he'll, he's got that type of ability. Again, anybody who can scout football a little bit is going to say, this kid has the physical tools, but when you know the mental piece, um, again, I'm, I'm more surprised that he is not already considered the the consensus number one quarterback in the first overall pick by some people. But for us, he's been there since again, probably the, towards the end of 2020. And certainly this season, he has not disappointed. You know, we've seen guys that come from lower levels of competition that go through the, uh, the all-star game process <clears> and <throat> see how that helps their stock. You know, that happened with Carson Wentz coming from North Dakota state that happened with Jimmy Garoppolo coming from Eastern Illinois. Uh, both those guys, FCS, not even necessarily group of five, but, uh, the, the precedent is there for those guys when yeah. they start going through that process and get that exposure to NFL teams, how that can help. My guess is we'll see that here for Malik Willis once we get to the month of January. Eric, thanks so much for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We will talk to you again next week, man. Thanks, friend. All right, let's now shift our attention to this weekend in college football as I'm joined here by Ben Fennell. Ben, uh, let's start off before we get into the, the big games here this weekend across the country. Big news from an NFL draft standpoint uh, where LSU cornerback Derek Stingley will go undergo a foot procedure. Uh, he is out indefinitely. He's saying the hope is that he's going to try and make it back to the field to play with his teammates. We'll see if that, if that does happen, but uh, potentially the end of Derek Stingley's career here with the Tigers. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but, you know, he's an experienced player. There's plenty of tape and high-level tape as well to evaluate against big-time receivers in the SEC and, you know, games into the championship in the BCFs playoff or whatever it's called now. So I think he's done enough uh, in his career, and I'm really excited for guys like Eli Ricks and uh, 
you know, some guys behind the scenes to get some opportunities. Yeah, Eli Ricks, a true sophomore this year, outstanding physical talent. Uh, Stingley, look, I haven't watched any of the 2021 stuff where I've done just a deep dive on this year's games. I know he's had some issues reportedly uh, with tackling and just being consistent uh, playing downhill, but this guy's one of the most physically gifted corners we've seen come out of college football in a long, long time. So certainly, uh, barring anything unforeseen, should be one of the top players selected uh, next spring if he does enter this draft. All right, let's get into some of the big matchups here this weekend. And we'll start things off with our uh, one-on-one matchups. Uh, Someone we're excited to see this weekend. I'll let you kick things off with this one. Well, I'm going to go with some unconventional one-on-one battles and it's because guys are battling on opposite sides. And there's some interesting tight end battles this weekend. Not Jalen Weidermeyer and Jaleel Billingsley, Alabama, Texas A&M. That's the low-hanging fruit. Go out to the Mountain West. Really fun tight end battle. How about Trey McBride? Tight end Colorado State currently leading the country in yards and receptions among tight ends. And then keep your eye on Derek Deese Jr. at San Jose State. 6'4", 235, JUCO transfer receiver. He had seven for 130 last week against New Mexico State. A guy that can really get down the field, stretch the seam, has good hands, good length, red zone target. Two really fun tight ends out there in the Mountain West. It's not all about the SEC, Fran. There's some good players out there. The games are a little bit later in the day, but a couple good prospects. Well, you know, look, you're you're going to try and see if you can dig behind the scenes. I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit. I will go mm-hmm. to the SEC. You mentioned the Alabama-Texas A&M game, uh, and I think an interesting kind of one-on-one battle to watch here, Isaiah Spiller, the, the star running back for the Aggies, potentially one of the best running backs in this class if he were to enter the 2022 class, going up against Alabama, that front seven, namely linebacker Christian Harris, also potentially one of the top players at his position in the upcoming class. And I think when you look at these two guys, Harris – He's got all the physical tools you want to be able to play linebacker in today's NFL. He's really rangy. He plays through contact well. I'm excited to see the jump that he made mentally here as a junior. But going down against Isaiah Spiller, Spiller is a no-nonsense back, man. I mean, he, he's, we've seen comparisons to like a Zeke Elliott in terms of uh, his ability to just get downhill, pick up tough yardage. Uh, he does not go down easy. Is he a dynamic athlete? No, um, but he's not a plotter either. And, and I'm excited to see uh, how Spiller looks against this Alabama front seven. We know that they're a little bit down in terms of experience along the offensive line there at Texas A&M. They're on the downslope as well. Uh, have had a couple of tough games here over these last few weeks. But I think when you look at this one-on-one matchup, this will be one of the first games that teams plug in for Isaiah Spiller to see how he did against this front. And, and Christian Harris, obviously leading the way at the linebacker level. Yeah, absolutely. Really fun battle there. I want to see maybe does Christian Harris get matched up on uh, Jalen Weidermeyer as well, maybe on yeah. some third downs as well. Christian Harris has been used as more of a pressure blitzing piece in some of those third and long situations. So we'll see if maybe he get isolated in coverage. All right, let's take a look at our player with most to gain. And obviously, when, when, I'll shift my attention here to the Big Ten. Anytime you've got uh, a player who transferred in from a lower level of competition, which is the case with Nebraska wide receiver Samari Ture, uh, who came in from Wyoming, this is a guy that's got that ability to be uh, a three-level weapon in the NFL. He's been one of the leading receivers in the Big Ten since arriving there with the Huskers uh, this season. Going up against Michigan, Primetime game, 7.30, ABC, the big spotlight on this matchup. This is a good opportunity here for Ture. Nebraska, a little bit of a slow start out of the gate, but since then, they've played well. They blew uh, Northwestern out of the water last week. We'll see if uh, Samari Ture can to, you know, make, make his presence felt in a nationally televised, you know, one of these big games, the highlight spotlight games of the weekend. Yeah, he's been productive already. Six games, three of them over 100 already, three touchdowns. He really looks the part with that 6'3 frame, really long. I'm going to go down the SEC, edge rusher Ali Gay. 
great week last week against Auburn. 12 pressures, often coming over that left side, facing the right tackle. He faced big Brodarius Ham last week. He's going to have Darian Kennard against Kentucky this week. But Ali Gay opposite B.J. Ojolari, Aziz's younger brother, he's not eligible yet, often off the right side. Big Ali Gay, man, Fran, he is 6'6", 260. He is long. He's explosive. I don't really know if he knows what he's doing out there. But if they get in pass, pass, pass mode at Kentucky and you just let him go up the field and hunt, he's going to make some plays and he's going to be on Will Levis's back a couple times. 12 pressures last week. He's starting to heat up. He uh, he was a Juco transfer last year, so made his debut in 2020. And you could see the traits right away. Anytime you turned on LSU, you're like, who is that guy coming off the edge? Uh, excited to to watch him continue. And don't forget maybe you know. some bad blood with their old tackle, uh, Darry Rosenthal, going over to mm. Kentucky. So a bit of a uh, revenge game there. Uh, of course, you have to bring up the Kentucky offense. No, no shocker there. They <laughs> had to bring them up. Uh, let's go to our prospects after dark here. Who's a guy playing in a game that starts at 8 p.m. Eastern or later? that you want to profile. I'll bounce this one back to you. Who do you want to hit on first? Well, I think USC's offense gets a lot of attention, whether it's Keaton Slovis, Keontae Ingram coming over from Texas, Drake London. How about the highlight grabs he's making on a week-to-week basis for and above the rim? He certainly looks like a interesting prospect. But the offensive line, there's always some interesting prospects at USC. They get some big-time talent on the O-line. Left guard, Andrew Voorhees, a 6'6", 320, really good run blocker. He's savvy one-on-one in pass protection. And he's experienced. He's been around this program for nearly five, six years, 2017, 2018, full-time starter at right guard, little dinged up in 19, past two years, starter at left guard. He's a guy that's played over 2,000 snaps in his career. Keontae Ingram had over 100 last week against Colorado. They ran the ball 35 times for over 200 as a team. Look for them to get after Utah this week. I like it. I'm actually, I picked that same game, man. So I'm going to the other side of the football. I looked at Devin Lloyd, uh, the linebacker from Utah, one of the best front seven players. And maybe we don't talk about enough. And Lloyd has been a three-year starter now uh, playing in that defense. He's a highly athletic physical specimen, 6'3", 235. He can make plays from sideline to sideline. He's physical coming downhill. I'd like to see him see things a little bit faster. And I think he can get held up a little bit with anything going on in the backfield, whether it's play action, zone read, any kind of backfield action, pre-snap motion, uh, the boot stuff gets, uh, they're just a little bit, uh, there's a handful of times where he's just like the last guy to move, right? And I feel like that's the one knock I would have on Devin Lloyd at this point. But uh, this is a guy who was a high school wide receiver, defensive back, made the conversion to linebacker once he arrived there uh, at Utah. And I, I love the physical gifts. The flashes are really, really impressive. Just the, the consistency is what I want to see more of. And, and he's gotten better over the course of his career. I've studied him each of the last three seasons. The, the tape I watched, I actually just watched him recently uh, in the last couple of days. And the tape I just watched from this fall is the best I've seen him look. I just want to see him continue to make those strides mentally. But uh, physically, I mean, again, 6'3", 235, and he runs like a deer. Uh, he can move in reverse really well. Just a really easy athlete. Uh, if you want to get a chance to get eyes on him 8 p.m on fox uh usc utah really interesting matchup for sure yeah it's gonna be a good battle there and he's experienced playing all three linebacker spots there too which uh, nfl scouts and teams are going to love that versatility and experience he's been a really productive blitzer over the course of his career i know yeah i think he had two years where he had over six sacks i mean that's like the, for a guy that's that athletic he's he racked up a couple of interceptions so far this year so a guy that has that ability to stuff the stat sheet. All right, let's I get mean, to that year, uh, 2019, where they had all the NFL prospects and yep. Jalen Johnson and Francis Bernard and Lecky Foto. 
He led the team in tackles. Yeah, he was just a you know an unsung, I think, uh, redshirt sophomore back then. Exactly. Yeah, you know, he's a, a really intriguing talent. All right, let's go to our uh, call our shot. We're going to predict a big game from a prospect this this weekend. Uh, I'll let you go first here. Yeah, we got a fun battle of the top ten in the Big Ten, Penn State and Iowa. I think Jack Campbell at Iowa is starting to heat up. He had uh, 17 tackles, 12 run stops the last two weeks, a bunch of plays in coverage. He's 6'5", 240. He's not hard to find in the middle of that Iowa defense. He's going to have his hands full this week against Penn State with their run game, the way they feature the tight ends. James Franklin throws a lot of interesting misdirection as well to get the ball to Jahan Dotson on some shallow crosses and get him some mismatches. I think Jack Campbell's going to have a big week. I think he's going to make some splash plays and some highlight plays, and there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game, uh, especially from scouts. Yeah, that's a, a really good one to watch. We're going to talk about that Penn State-Iowa game in the next segment with Ross. I will stay in the Big Ten, though. Big noon kickoff, 12 p.m. Fox, you've got Ohio State and Maryland. And initially in this game, I, I wanted to go with Dante Demas, the, the wide receiver for the Terps, is having a big one uh, going up against Seven Banks and that Ohio State secondary. But... Like Derek Stingley, Dante Demas, uh, I believe it's a foot injury as well, uh, and he is out for the season. So we will not see Dante Demas uh, moving forward for Maryland. So I'm going to stay on that side of the ball, but I'm going to go with Ohio State defensive end, Zach Harrison, a guy that uh, we're seeing continue to climb in mock drafts. I'm seeing him much more often now, top 10, top 12, top 15, former big-time recruit, oversized defensive end, uh, can do a lot of different things from a trait standpoint. It's all there. But going up against this Terps team, uh, yeah, they like to throw the football. Keep an eye on Zach Harrison. I think he could have a big one here against Maryland. All right, let's go to our now uh, comparison chat. We're going to use an NFL comp to profile a prospect playing this weekend. And I'll go first. I'll stay uh, with some of the one of the star pass rushers in the country. I'm going to go back to that USC defense. Drake Jackson along the defensive front. He's really long. He's athletic. He's got positional versatility. Uh, the flashes are really, really impressive. I think you and I both kind of feel the same, though, in that we're waiting for it to kind of all come together. Kind of reminds me of JPP coming from USF. When Jason Pierre-Paul was coming out of college, he was the same kind of deal where it was like, man, like this guy is so long. He's so athletic. Just like if he could put it together, this could be uh, someone that's really, really special. And I think I look at Drake Jackson kind of similarly, except that, you know, with JPP, I'm not exactly sure that he had the proven scheme and position versatility at USF. Whereas with Drake Jackson, I mean, we're seeing him line up everywhere from three all the way out to nine technique. Uh, and sometimes when he's lining up inside, it's on base downs where he's got to defend the run and he's doing a little bit more read and react. He's not just getting up field. So uh, if he goes to a team where he's just asked to cut it loose and some of those gifts can really kind of come to the forefront, this could be a guy that maybe has is more productive as a pro than what he was in college. Yeah, his good is really good. And you could see the full arsenal of pass rush moves to be able to win inside, outside, through you, yep. you know, zone drop in space. He's made a lot of impressive plays uh, all over the defense. I'm going to stay on the defensive side. SEC linebacker Zacoby McLean out of Auburn. Uh, they have a really good defense out there. There's a lot of prospects, whether it's Roger McCreary or Smoke Monday. But Zacoby McLean at linebacker, he's six foot, 220. He's a slashing, run-and-chase, will linebacker, can play in space, but he's a physical thumper when he gets there, plays special teams, plays detached quite often. Reminds me a lot, height, weight, speed, style of Deion Jones coming at LSU. Mm. And I was this close, just kind of put my fingers together to saying, he reminds me of Telvin Smith, who was the safety to linebacker at Florida State and eventually yep. became a really nice Pro Bowl linebacker uh, in the NFL. But Telvin was about 6'3". And I thought Zacoby was more in the 6'1", 6'2". He measured 6'0", 0", 0", 0", on the dot. 
220. So I'm happy he got up to 220. He arrived to Auburn about 200 pounds, a skinny kid um, that you really didn't know what you're going to do with him. Safety linebacker, maybe flip him the other side of the ball. Who knows? But he's a guy that's really athletic. He's slashing, darting presence, and he's making a lot of plays on that Auburn defense. The Auburn defense is an impressive unit. There's guys at all three levels, uh, as you highlighted. Let's wrap things up here with our mock draft roundup. We're going to go back to the draft network. Last week, we did Jordan Reeves mock draft over on that site. This week, we're going to do Brentley Weissman's, who uh, has the Eagles picking at both nine and 13. And I, I look, honestly, Ben, I bounced around because we had done one for the draft network last week. I'm like, oh, we'll go to a different site, a different platform. And I, I looked around. I feel like we're starting to kind of get into that groove where a lot of these are starting to look the same, right? It's that time of year where uh, some of the pick, you know, some of the player teams picking at certain spots are the same. A lot of the players, you know, it's all kind of mushed together. But what I liked here about Brentley's was that uh, really, I mean, he had some different players going up high and some guys we've talked about going high. You know, he had Aiden Hutchinson going in the top five. He had uh, some of these other players we've seen, we've talked about. I was like, yeah, like I, I feel like that guy's going to go a little bit higher than what we're talking about. But also there were some surprises as well. And we can kind of get into that, but let's first talk with really what I feel is starting to become one of the chic picks here. And almost every mock draft that you open, they've got the Eagles wherever they're picking in the top 10 selecting cornerback Andrew Booth from Clemson. I'll just read the, the blurb here from Brentley. This was another spot where a quarterback was considered. Jalen Hurts has been so-so this season, but has flashed some intriguing potential. I believe by season's end, he will have done enough to allow the Eagles to address another position of need. The team could use some more help at corner, and Andrew Booth could be a terrific addition. Booth offers excellent athleticism and has rare playmaking ability with the ball in the air. He's a sticky cover man whose game is still ascending. Um, Ben, like I said, Booth has become the chic pick. He was the guy that we talked about last week with Jordan. I don't need you to comment necessarily on Andrew Booth, but one thing I did love was that you dropped that nugget earlier this week when we had our on-the-clock segment with Dean and with C-Mac that Clemson playing more zone coverage than anybody in the country. Well, the NFL team that's playing more zone coverage than anybody in the NFL, Mm -hmm. Philadelphia Eagles. So that could be a match that would make sense from a schematic standpoint. Yeah, and just to hone in on that, that's on third down. Brent Venable's defense Ah, last in the power five. Last in the power five in playing man to man. A lot of zone yep. coverage out there in Clemson, particularly on third down. That's where teams traditionally lock up man to man. So really interesting that Clemson, Brent Venables, a lot of NFL talent says, you know what, let's play a little more zone. And I think that's where Andrew Booth, you know, really excels, whether it's in the cover two stuff, the off man, the side saddle cover three, eyes in the backfield. I mean, some of his most impressive plays are eyes in the backfield and, you know, kind of finding the ball and reacting to routes down the field. So a lot of zone coverage being played in the NFL, particularly here in Philadelphia. And I think he'd be a great fit. All right, let's take a look at uh, the other players in the top seven uh, of this mock draft. So number one, Jets taking Kayvon Thibodeau. Number two, the Jaguars taking Derek Stingley. Number three, this is where it gets interesting. Matt Corral, the quarterback from Ole Miss. We typically do not see him that high. He goes in the top three overall, QB one off the board. Number four, Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. He goes to the Detroit Lions. Number five, the Giants picking back-to-back here. First, they take Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive lineman from Michigan. Then they go number six, Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal. So the Giants addressing the line of scrimmage. Number seven, the Atlanta Falcons taking Darian Kennard, the offensive tackle from Kentucky. And then number eight, the Cincinnati Bengals selecting DeMarvin Leal, the defensive lineman from Texas A&M. So, uh, Ben, overall, thoughts on the top eight? Obviously, uh, Corral at QB1 going in the top three, uh, Certainly different uh, going against the grain than what we typically see around these mock drafts. Yep. Week to week, we're talking about a quarterback boggle right now. Nobody 
was where to stack them, where to plug them. This is just another uh, version of that. Aiden Hutchinson, fifth overall. Certainly seems like that's how it's trending. I think he's a top 10 pick all day long. Giants double dipping in the trenches. Love that. Darian Kennard, seventh overall. A little rich for my liking. I think he's more of a late two, early third round pick. Kind of a scheme-specific guy. Might slide into guard. DeMarvin Leal, been a little disappointing right now. I think eighth overall is probably a little high based on his stock at the moment. Probably more of a back end of round one guy, but a lot of talent up there in the top 10. All right, let's go a few picks forward here. Let's spin this forward to the Eagles picking once again, this time at number 13. They have the Colts selecting their pick here. Uh, so uh, the only two first-round picks for the Eagles in this mock draft. But at 13, Brentley has the Eagles selecting defensive end, Maje Sanders from Cincinnati, a guy you talked about earlier this week on the show, Ben. Let's get to the blurb here from Brentley. Philadelphia has long had a very talented defensive line and is usually at their best when they can consistently get after the quarterback. The team rewarded Josh Sweat with a new contract, but with Brandon Graham getting up there in age and Derek Barnett having a voidable contract, it makes sense to, to invest in some new blood at edge. Sanders is long and explosive as a pass rusher who has a very good get off and bend. His skill set is perfect in the Eagles defense and gives them another young, talented pass rusher to get after the quarterback. So Ben, uh, overall reaction to Maje that high, I will say this. Looking around, I told you, I was looking around a bunch of mock drafts, and I don't know if it was just because he was in the national spotlight, you know, they get the big win over Notre Dame. Dude, he was in, like, the top 15 of almost mm-hmm. every mock draft that I saw, and that was not really the case throughout the last month and a half or so, right? It was. It seemed like he was kind of back end of round one, maybe cre- cleaning up into the, into the high teens, but now it's like he was 10, 12, 13, 15, 16 in almost every single mock. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously taking advantage of their huge win on national TV against a top 10 Notre Dame team. That's typically how uh, prospects go. You know, you ride the, ride the wave of the buzz. But to see him go nearly 10 spots ahead of Drake Jackson, almost, you know, 14 right. spots ahead of Georgia, Carl Flitus uh, from Purdue, uh, Carl Lafter, excuse me. You know, I think this is where he's kind of trending at the moment. But I think when it's all said and done, he'll probably take a backseat to those two guys I had said. But a guy that's, you know, uh, quarterback hunting and pressure, you know, off the bus. He's tall. He's long. He's a quick first step. He can, you know, jump snaps. He's really good with stunts and games and movement stuff. He's a guy that could probably drop in space if you need him to. I think he might be a little scheme specific and maybe a little bit of a style specific based on the defensive coordinator, but a really good player. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel, just look, talking about the fit in Philadelphia, do you feel that he could be that Sam linebacker in this defense based off what we've seen this, you know, so far with like the usage of like a Jannard Avery, do you feel like he's that kind of player? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've seen a couple different guys in that role, whether it's Avery or Ostman or Patrick Johnson. I think Maje Sanders fits that Patrick Johnson role a little bit more with the more of the length and uh, the ability to cover ground in space. And Maje Sanders, while he's long and six, five, he's probably only two thirty, two thirty five 235 right. or so. I think he's listed at two fifty five. A little generous there on the uh, the team page, as it normally is. But being at 230, envision him as more of a space player and an athletic piece than a true defensive end. All right, well, let's take a look at some of the other guys that went right in that range. Number 11 overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers selecting Nevada quarterback Carson Strong. That's also becoming one of the chic uh, player team connections here, Ben. We've seen that a lot, even when the, the when teams have the Steelers uh, or when mock drafts have the Steelers, like in the, the high teens, low 20s, Carson Strong always happens to find his way uh, to Pittsburgh. Jackson Kirkland, the Washington offensive tackle, going to the Indianapolis Colts at number 12 overall. And then the two picks right after Maje Sanders, 
14 overall, the Patriots selecting Chris Olave from Ohio State. And then the Carolina Panthers are number 15, taking Northern Iowa offensive tackle Trevor Penning. So uh, real quick, let's go into our uh, just our one last superlative here. One scary. Well, hold on a second here. Fran. Oh, let's just, give a, let's right, just give a litmus real fast. Are, are these the top five offensive linemen in the country? Evan, Evan Neal, Darian Kennard, Jackson Kirkland, Trevor Penning. Hmm. It's an interesting question. Who's missing off that board for you? I mean, I think there's some other guys in the conversation. I think, you know, Kenyon green is kind of in that yeah, mix there. there. Yep. Um, I have seen some people really like, you know, uh, Eki Aquanu, yep. you know, as a first rounder, or maybe a Sean Ryan at UCLA as being a first rounder, just kind of just taking, taking note of the inventory and, you know, where the, uh, the pecking order goes there is Linderbaum. Is like, yeah, uh, I was just gonna bring him up. Alc is Lindstrom, he, yeah. is he, I know, or Alc Lindstrom, Tyler Linderbaum at Iowa, are they, yep. you know, worthy of a top 15 selection in the first round? Just interesting to take the snapshot. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, it's something certainly worth monitoring as we move forward here, uh, through the rest of the season. Uh, so outside the top 10, you can make one pick where you say, all right, this is the, this is the scary selection. It's October. It's, we're getting closer to Halloween. One scary pick outside the top 10, and you could take scary however you want it. I'm going to go with the 32nd overall pick, Andy Reid, getting another offensive weapon to add to Patrick Mahomes. I think anytime you see them adding high-level talent to his scheme around Patrick Mahomes, that should scare the living bejeebus out of everybody, especially defensive coordinators and safeties and guys that have to cover them. Adding Jahan Dotson, with McCole Hardman and Tyreek Hill and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Travis Kelsey. I don't know if this is illegal, Fran. Add some defense. Go add a defensive prospect, guys. <laughs> Come on. They added Creed Humphrey in the first round last year, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire the year before after winning the Super Bowl, or I think that was the Super Bowl year. But anyways, uh, Chiefs added another offensive piece. That's a, that's a really good one. There were a few to me that uh, I was like, oh man, like the way, when you look at Cleveland's front, uh, the way that they're playing this year, now you got to keep in mind Malik McDowell, one-year deal, Jadavian Clowney, one-year deal, but them adding George Karlaftis at 27, that's a pair with Miles Garrett, like, yeah, scary, terrifying for teams in the AFC mm-hmm. North. Uh, 30, the George, uh, George Pickens, the Georgia wide receiver to the Detroit Lions. That's scary for a different reason. Obviously, George Pickens, you're taking him off the torn ACL, sight unseen, Going into the draft, if he were to declare for the 2022 draft, that would be a, l- a little bit scary. Uh, and then Traylon Burks at number 20 to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I would, I, th- I think that's scary for defenses because I would be really, really fascinated just to see how uh, how Sean Payton and that offensive staff would use Traylon Burks. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like Tyler Linderbaum there, 29th overall to the Bills. I just feel mm-hmm. like that's a great fit. That's a really good one too. Uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun. Just kind of poke around. We'll continue to do that every single week here on the journey to the draft podcast. Ben, uh, thanks for, once again for joining us here on the show. We'll be back Monday, Monday night, me, you, Dane, breaking down everything we see here this weekend in college football. All right. Well, as always excited to wrap this show up with my buddy, Ross Tucker to go through, uh, six games to pick here in college football. Ross, uh, I got you last week. We talked about, we were, we were on the opposite sides in a number of games last week. I picked up a couple of wins. I, I won, uh, I went three and one against you. Uh, and so the ones that we went head to head on picked up two games on you. I now have a one game weave. You got the win Cincinnati over Notre Dame, but I picked Auburn over LSU. I picked Zay flowers, his catches over Justin Ross, who got hurt uh, in that game. And then I took the UGA margin uh, over Trey Burke's yards per carry. I will say, 
Once again, man, you got so close to your upset pick. UConn within two points of beating the Commodores of Vanderbilt. Uh, Big 10 picks not going so well for me. I may have to stay away from that from that conference. Nebraska absolutely crushed Northwestern. Well, I knew I got the Cincinnati one right. Um, the Auburn LSU. I mean, Bo Nix, <laughs> are you kidding me? And then Justin Ross gets hurt. That shouldn't even count. And then I was really surprised that Arkansas got taken into the woodshed, yeah. into the woodshed like that. I thought that game would be much more competitive. And yes, UConn, I was up late watching that game. You know, I've done a couple of UConn games this year already. I've got two more to go. I was frankly rooting for those guys, A, because I wanted to get my upset special right, and B, I just want those guys to feel what it's like to get a win. Sure. Unfortunately, their second straight heartbreaking loss, but they yeah. got a win coming soon. Yeah, I mean, things have really kind of changed for them. Uh, the two blowouts to start the season and the way that they're playing now, a good sign for them moving forward. That said, we've got a number of awesome games this weekend. Great slate for college football. We'll start with a game that's uh, obviously been the biggest one of the slate. Two top five teams. Number four, Penn State. Number three, Iowa. Ross Tucker. Who are you picking here? So I don't think it's a secret. I live in central Pennsylvania. I, you know, I grew up Penn State season tickets. I do some Penn State media stuff. I like Iowa. Um, you know, they have played so well this year and maybe I'm skewed by their turnover margin no. and that can't happen every game, but it has happened every game. You know, like if they do it one game or two, you're like, ah, okay. They've done it every week. I was a tough place to play. Yep. You know, this is a toss up game. I think if it was at Penn state, I'd probably take yep. Penn state. It's not, it's at Iowa. I'm taking the Hawkeyes. They look like, I mean, Goodson's a stud. They're running the ball well. Their defense is awesome. Like Valkenberg, whatever that guy's name is, Riley Moss. I was legit, man. I'm taking the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I for a lot of the same reasons, man. And here's the thing is that neither team has allowed 20 points in the game this year. I mean, defensively, both of them are playing really, really strong. And if it is a game like that, if it's 17-13, obviously anybody can win at that point, right? But uh, Iowa at home at Kinnick Stadium, creating the what they've done defensively, creating some of these big plays. You and I have brought that into question with Penn State and that offense and Sean Clifford, especially, you know, can he, will he ever revert back to what he was early in his career where he did give the football up and make some of those bad decisions? Hasn't quite done that yet so far. And if he can protect the ball uh, in this game, that will give them a much better chance to win. But uh, I am going Hawkeyes as well here. I agree with you. Uh, I will take Iowa. Let's go to our next one here. Oklahoma, number six against number 11, Texas, one of the best rivalry games in all of college football. We've got uh, OU and Texas. Who do you like here? Who do you like here in this one, Ross? You know what? I'm going to go Texas. Uh, mm. they, they've they been playing very well. I love the running back Robinson. The quarterback's been doing a nice job. Oklahoma has been living dangerously. And I know Spencer Rattler played well in the second half of this game last year. I think Oklahoma has been living on the edge. This is Texas's time to get a big win in year one for Sarkeesian. I'm going to take the Longhorns. I did. I was, uh, we're on the same page for our pickums this week, uh, which makes me feel good because you've been excellent with your pickums for the most part uh, so far this season. I, I like Texas in the, this one as well. Oklahoma, just too many close calls. I picked them to lose in my upset special with West Virginia a couple weeks ago. That did not happen, but uh, Texas with the way that they're playing, I know they had that loss to Arkansas a couple weeks ago, but outside of that, they've played very, very well. I are 
agree. Bijan Robinson looks like an absolute beast. Uh, let's go here with the Longhorns. Uh, we'll see. Everyone will be talking a week from now. Is Texas back? Uh, that will be the big comment uh, after this weekend, potentially, if they come up with the W. Let's go to our third game here. Georgia and Auburn, big battle here in the SEC. We're going to go over under four and a half total tackles for loss for this Georgia defense going up against Auburn and that run game. I'll give the push to Georgia. If it's four and a half on the nose, I'll give it to the Georgia defense. Who do you like here over under? Oh, I like Georgia. I, mm -hmm. I like the over. Sacks count as tackles for loss. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go off the box score, whatever it says in the TFLs for the box score, just the tackles for loss in the box score. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to grade it off of. Right. But in college football, right? I'm pretty sure that's correct. Yes. I, I appreciate yeah, Cause correct. like a guy has, you'll see a guy have three and a half tackles for loss and two sacks, right? Really three and a half, uh, two of the three and a half tackles for loss are sacks. So I'm saying over four and a half Georgia's defense is insane. I'm going to go under because Auburn, they've done a nice job at preventing some of these TFLs. They've got a, a young running back uh, down there as well. That is making a lot of big plays for them. This Georgia defense is, is monstrous, and maybe they'll prove me wrong here uh, with this one, but I will go with the under. Uh, these uh, over-unders have gone pretty kind for me uh, so far to start the season. We'll see uh, if I can keep that rolling. One category that has not gone well for you so far, these either-ors. You are one in four this year so far, the either-ors. I am four and one uh, this week here for our either-or. Who has the higher yards per catch in this LSU-Kentucky game, staying in the SEC? You've got the two leading wide receivers in the SEC matching up in this one. You've got Kayshawn Boutte from LSU and Wandell Robinson from Kentucky. Who has the higher yards per catch in this game? I am going to go with Boutte. Um, I feel like Wandell Robinson will get a lot of underneath stuff. They'll try to give him the ball in space, a lot of bubble screens, stuff like that. LSU's got pretty good team speed. I think they'll be able to tackle him underneath. I'll go Boutte. I'm going to go Robinson and there is the fear, obviously, you know, and we don't know if this is exactly how they're going to play it, but there is a fear that, uh, you know, maybe they put Derek Stingley uh, on Robinson and he kind of mirrors him throughout the field. That said, they have found ways to get him the football in space. And when we saw that, that long screen for a touchdown last week in the upset over Florida, uh, this guy is electric. He is so much fun with the ball in his hands. And while Butte, I mean, he's, he's really special as well. Uh, I'm going to go though with Robinson here in this one to have more yards per catch in this matchup. Let's go to our fifth game here are high low which number is higher we're going to take a look at a couple games here one in the ACC one in the SEC which number's higher Ole Miss's margin of victory over Arkansas or Wake Forest's margin of victory over Syracuse which one do you like here which number is higher here Ben or Russ yeah I like Wake um I think Arkansas is going to bounce back I think they might even win that game against Ole Miss uh they were humbled last week I think Arkansas bounces back in a major way with a physical style of football against Ole Miss. And I think Wake Forest um, is going to beat Syracuse. Wake Forest got close with Louisville. They got a little bit of a scare. I think I like Wake's margin over Syracuse more. Yeah, I, I felt like I, I went with Wake as well. And it was like, I like Ole Miss to win this game potentially against Arkansas, but I don't know if I feel as good about it as I do Wake Forest over Syracuse. So just to make sure that I feel good, you know, that I feel good about the win overall. Uh, I also went with the Demon Deeks. I'm undefeated so far here, Ross. Uh, the Deeks making some noise. Uh, that said, let's round it out with our upset special. One game. Who do you like here? The, the big underdog to come up with a W. You know, I don't really like any of them, to be honest. With you. <laughs> Every other week, there's been one that I've really, really liked. Right. Um, this is not that week. So 
I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take South Carolina Ooh, against okay. Tennessee. Um, it's the uh, it's not as big of an upset or underdog as some of these other ones, and I can see South Carolina getting it done. I have a tough time seeing any of these other teams win. Yeah, I had I had a tough time choosing as well. Uh, I ended up going with Navy getting a win over SMU, and and the only reason why SMU's got a couple road games here coming up on the schedule. They had a, a big win over USF last week. You know, Navy. I could tell you just from being on teams that I've had the game plan for these teams, or both Army and Navy. Uh, and you call so many Army games, so you see this all, all the time here in college football. Those two teams can beat anybody in the country on any given Saturday. They can lose to any team on any given Saturday because it all comes to assignment football, the week of preparation, everything you do uh, leading up to that game. So. I'll, I'll roll the dice here and I'll go Navy. I know they've, they've had a down year. They're, they're really struggling defensively and that SMU offense is explosive, uh, but I'll go Navy here, uh, getting the W at home over the visiting Mustangs. Well, Ross, we will see how we fare uh, this weekend in college football. It's always fun uh, going head to head to uh, head with you every single week. Yeah, I love it. Let's go. I got to, I got to get it, have a bounce back week. Great stuff this week from Ross, Ben, and of course, Eric Galco. We'll be back here next week. Myself, Dane, and Ben to break down everything we see this weekend in college football. Cannot wait. Each, each of these weeks, we are seeing plenty of great games, great upsets, and also players that are making big plays and rising up the NFL draft board. We'll be back next week to break it all down right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.